the Kung Fu Monk sequence just makes my bum go right up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a proper clinch. Oh, I don't like this. It's a proper clincher. Hello and welcome to Who Gives a Flux, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is Mike, which of course you know by now, and today I am joined by Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Mike. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you here. How the devil are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I'm recording this after work, so a bit tired, but other than that, it's all going quite nicely. Well, that's good. And how has your day been? Uh, It's been all right. It's one of those days, you know, when it's sort of like a bit dead. So there's not much going on and it just drags a bit. Oh, I hate a dragger. I know, it's, you need something to keep you busy. But luckily, I could uh, finesse my list for this. See, that's fate. How, how fortunate <laughs> for it to have been a dragger today for you to get your list on. I love it. That's amazing. Oh, thank you very much for coming on and having this chat with me. I really do appreciate your time and all the thought that's gone into choosing these episodes. That's that's really awesome. So thank you for that. Oh, no worries at all. Thank you for having me on it. It's it's really lovely to be here. Awesome. So before we get into the whole like Doctor Who chat thing, do you want to tell the listeners all about your podcast, which, by the way, the name is fantastic. Talk Toy to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. Well, what's it all about? Oh, uh, it's basically uh, me and my friend Ben. Ben used to work with me, um, and we we both of us are big toy geeks. We love old toys. We like new toys, um, and we'd talk about it at work. And then he left, and we wanted a way that we could still meet up and chat like we did. So we said, "Well, let's do this podcast." He had a podcast at the time, but didn't cover toys, so it sort of fulfilled a niche in both of our lives and we basically talk it we sort of couch it in terms of it's a nostalgia podcast so it's us talking about when we had a specific we'll pick maybe a specific toy line talk about that sometimes we do quizzes sometimes we'll do like our top three toys it's a bit of everything but um it's it's mainly about just remembering enjoying toys which is a bit sad but um we we still very much enjoy them it's not at all sad. <laughs> I am on the same wavelength as you. I love an action figure. The podcast, it sounds really good. Talk toy to me. I um, have subscribed, but I haven't yet listened because oh, I've been busy recording my own, but I will yeah. get to it. I'm, 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 it's, I'm there. I am there because I'm fascinated. Because as a kid as well, I loved like He-Man and Thundercats and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that was my era. Oh, so it was yeah. all very action figure So yeah, this is right up my street. I'm, <laughs> I'm well into this. So, Alex, how did you get into Doctor Who? Uh, well, I was... Uh, so, I'm just about old enough for it to still be on TV. So, I watched uh, the Sylvester McCoy um, episodes, Paradise Towers, um, when they were broadcast, and I really liked them. Um, okay. And I'd have been about five, something like that at the time, five or six. Really okay. liked them. Then had a very on and off... For the next year, I wanted to watch Doctor Who. I watched Remembrance of the Daleks um, and Silver Nemesis, and then The Happiness Patrol, which is the one with um, the Candyman, yeah, giant Bertie Bassett. And um, that episode scared me so much. Oh no! um, I I didn't then watch it again. Well, it sort of left me with this weird 
I wish I'd kept watching it, but it still scared me. I mean, there's a very weird, specific, there's a point in the episode where someone gets drowned in strawberry fondant, like and oh. it's a red liquid in a big tube. But okay. because I was so young, what it looked like to me was this guy had gone in a tube and had all his blood sucked out. Who then okay. the tube off? It's like blood flowing everywhere, and that just freaked me out so much. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried to sort. I watched some of the repeat stuff while I was growing up, and really wanted to get back into it. But ironically enough, it was when I found the VHS of the Happiness Patrol in Virgin Megastore. I was like, right, this is it. I'm going to conquer my fear. So I bought that, watched it, and then was. On, on that train from about 98 onwards. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So, um, nice. yeah, been with it ever since. So looked forward to the revival, and luckily, I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, that's good. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. It's interesting that you kind of had a kind of flirt with it when you were little and then sort of came back to it later on. That's quite cool. That's sort of the magic of Doctor Who, I guess, that it's been on for so long, and it can... It can introduce people to it at so many different points and places it's it's so cool it's really interesting yeah like it, that. It, and that that's why i mean i think it is an amazing show in that sense because it is it's such a bizarre show i don't think there's any other tv show like it in that you can ask 12 different people what the show is about and they will give you 12 different answers oh you don't have to tell me that <laughs> I, i'm doing a podcast about it <laughs> Um, it it has been absolutely fascinating to hear the length and breadth of these answers for yeah. just favorite and least favorite story. Honestly, there there only there's only one or two trends happening. The rest of them are completely independent from each other. It's really really interesting. Oh well, hopefully hopefully my picks will be as interesting. Shall we jump in then to this conversation? Because obviously you have had the difficult task or the not so difficult task i guess to choose your favorite and least favorite doctor who stories choosing one story from each new who doctor so how has it been choosing these um some of them have been easy some of them have literally like i'd say the 11th doctor one for me was the easiest where i literally went stud honorable mention dud done it was wow for that um but things like the Ninth Doctor, as other people have said, is just there's so little of it, and it's of such generally good quality that it's 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 splitting hairs to pick mm. A, a, mm. a dud for the Ninth Doctor. Um, that's probably the one that I struggled with the most. But, um, but well, yeah. let's jump into the yeah. let's jump into the Ninth Doctor thing as we are there. Let's do it. Sure. What what is your honourable mention for Christopher Eccleston? So my honourable mention is uh, the Unquiet Dead. Ooh, nice. Why? I uh, I just I'm I'm quite a big I'm a, a big horror movie fan in general, and that sort of gives you the Victorian Gothic vibes of that I enjoy from Hammer films and stuff like that. But with that Doctor Who spin, and it's the first of the celebrity historicals, which I don't. I think they can work really well. They don't always, but I thought that Simon Callow as Dickens was a genius casting choice. He he plays that role so well, and seeing the Doctor be a bit of a fanboy 
and go into the past for the first time and it's all wintry it's just it's everything that i sort of love about a, a doctor who episode that you could stick on in in the autumn when you've got the curtain shut it's um yeah one of my favorites and i love the, the ghostly atmosphere of it and um yeah it's, it's just it's, it's not my favorite but it is a, a a real a real standard episode for me I completely agree with you, actually. I think this is... And you know what? Funnily enough, not many people have mentioned this episode yet. So I'm really glad it's come up because for me, it's a really, really good one. It stands out for me. Uh, And the kind of maddening thing about it, and this is so, so frustrating, is that before I saw Rose, I was not into Doctor Who. So I'd never seen an episode before. So the first episode was the 2005 revival. What I didn't know was that The Unquiet Dead was being filmed 20 minutes away from my house. Oh! Uh, yeah, but I just wouldn't have known. Wasn't involved in the world. Had never seen it before. So it's such a shame when I, I watched that like Doctor Who Confidential about that episode and saw them being like, that's literally 20 minutes from my house. I, I, I can see where they are. I could have been there. I could have met them. How marvellous would that have been? So that's that a slight regret. But, you know, you know, it is what it is. But it's a great episode. And I think um, Mark Gattis slash Gatiss um, is... It, it, he's a bit of a hit and a miss person when it comes to Doctor Who and his episodes. I don't always get them. I'm not always really into them. But this one, I really like. I think he did this one really well. And I think it's right up his street as well, in a way that maybe he overplays his hand with that sometimes later down the line. But um, it's 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 such a match for his sort of sensibilities coming from the League of Gentlemen and his his love of horror stuff. Um, but I think it also throws in that really nice dilemma bit at the end of it, where the Doctor just kind of like, well, yeah, they can have your dead bodies. That's that's fine. You don't need them. Um, I think that's a really nice little moment that shows the the sort of alienness and Doctorishness of the Doctor. Yeah, and actually, having said that, plus, from his point of view, he's just lost his planet. He's just destroyed Gallifrey. Absolutely. So, so in order to save another planet of people of, of the Gelf, um, which were are dying because of the Time War, yeah, I think it's quite fascinating that he would be like, this is actually perfect because you know th- th- this is a fallout from, from the war that well, I was just involved in, and, and I can do something here to help these people. Why wouldn't you do it? And yeah. then Rose being like, "No, no, it's disgusting. You can't do that." It's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. And and I think for for episode three, it's such a good stall for some of the stuff that Doctor Who can do with with regards to stuff like that. Because you know you can take lots of inferences from letting people come over and live somewhere they don't naturally come from yeah so absolutely plus it's all kind of wrapped up in a in a christmas carol kind of um you know parcel and actually funny enough um christmas just gone was the first time i watched this at christmas time i don't know why i'd never have but i just did and thought wow this it works so well this time of year (laughs) it's going to be something i think i return to each year you know yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Good choice. Good choice. So, what then from this era is your dud story? 
So, like I say, it, it is really splitting hairs because I think it is quite a strong season overall, especially for a first season of something. Um, but my dud is going to be Boomtown. Okay, interesting. Tell me why. I mean, speci- specifically because at the time, and there are probably reasons now why it would be very different, um, I wasn't a big fan of of Mickey, and I I don't particularly like him being with the TARDIS team. It never really worked for me. Um, obviously, we now don't talk about Mickey. But, um, <laughs> we can talk about Mickey. We just have to talk about Noah Clark, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, and I do really like the episode. I think it is a good episode, and that the stuff with the Doctor and Margaret Slithine at um, having their dinner and um, all of that part is really good. I think it. I think it fumbles the ending a bit by putting the Doctor in a situation he can't win, and then giving him a magic out. Yes. Um, so it's those just those little things for me that unfortunately puts it in the dud area. Because um, I mean, the the other one that I suppose I could have picked would be the long game, but yeah, I read that for me the long game has got quite a 2000 AD vibe to it, and I'm a big fan of 2000 AD, so that resonated with me in a way that Boomtown didn't. That's fair. I get where you're coming from. I think Boomtown, I think I think if that you know, if you don't approach Boomtown in the right frame of mind or mood, I can see why it would be one that would be kind of forgettable. And especially I guess if you were a kid watching Boomtown when you're seeing the Sladine back, but it's not quite back. I don't know whether it has the same resonance, you know. So I do get where you're coming from. Yeah, and like I say, it is it's properly sp- splitting Hairs in the way that, you know, I could put a dud from another series in very happily. <laughs> <laughs> but that is not the brief. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is, no, but I know what you mean. The, this series, that series one is so strong. And um, it's one that, through all these conversations that I'm having with people, it's it's really become something quite special, I think. And, and it's grown in... in in how I feel about it, especially because you'd be tempted sometimes to say, you know, you can start watching Doctor Who from the David Tennant era, or you could even start from the Matt Smith era. They're all, because they're all quite different to each other, but actually the Ninth Doctor's era, I think, is quickly becoming one of my favourites. Yeah. So that's interesting, and that's all because of the conversations I'm having, and then the enthusiasm other people have for it as well, so that's really cool. Okay. I think as well, I think we were so lucky to have Eccleston because he's such oh. a great actor. Yeah. Getting him and him being the Doctor is and it's is amazing, and it's so nice to now see him much more comfortable with fandom and enjoying the fact that he was the Ninth Doctor in a way that I don't think he did for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's nice to see that he's come back and he's doing big finish stuff, and he is doing like talks and conventions and things and actually doing all the photo ops and stuff and he really did resist for a long time and I, I think his experience at, at the time at the time of his life was very difficult and I, I think he kind of joined everything together and it wasn't a very it wasn't a very pleasant time for him was it no, um, no. I keep meaning meaning to listen to his autobiography I, I've got it on audible and it's there ready for me I just have to be in the right frame of mind and I want to 
I want to yeah, hear I, I, a I, bit I, more of how he was, you know? Yeah, I'd imagine it's, it's going to be quite a, an intense yes. one. Yes, yes. But I thought it'd be quite nice to hear him say it, to, you know, hear him read it. I thought it'd be quite a fascinating experience. So I'll report back. But yeah, um, really. yeah what the, well then what episode did you choose or what story did you choose to be um, your stud? Oh well, this is a very personal choice, I guess. But it it for me it has to be Rose because okay. um, the just that night when that came back, sitting down to watch it feeling trepidatious, feeling like, oh my goodness, what happens if I don't like this? What happens if I think it's rubbish? And just the elation I felt when I finished watching it and how much I loved it. And because I was of the age I was at the time, I, I watched it, I videoed it, I went out for the evening, I came back about two in the morning and I watched it two more times because I just loved it so much. So for me, it's all linked with that, with that sort of feeling of, this is good. This is really good. And like, I don't even mind the burping bin bit. It was silly. <laughs> but, um, you know, it sort of still then felt... I mean, I'm quite a fan of the Sylvester McCoy era, which is as camp and silly as you like in places. So I, um, I didn't mind that bit. And it just... It literally made me emotional with how much I loved it. So I can't take those memories away from that episode. So it's it's always going to be my favourite episode of The Ninth Doctor. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. It's so lovely to hear that you had that experience. And after, you know, I suppose waiting in, with all that trepidation and um, worry and, and I mean, this is the thing. I mean, the show was cancelled before. Yeah. So, so the fact that it was resurrected was a miracle in itself, but oh, is it only going to get one series? Like, is it actually going to be worth it? Are they going to ruin it? Oh, it's 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 a big, big emotional thought process, isn't it? Yeah. And then for you to have that reaction, that is such a lovely reaction you had. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. That's so nice. And I, yeah, it, it has got those camp silly bits. And I think that again, you've got to you've got to. You've got to be in the right frame of mind for that. If you're in a bit of a, a bit more of a serious space, and you and you think, oh, I'm going to watch some Doctor Who. I think you might lean more towards a darker, more kind of dangerous, perhaps dramatic episode. Yeah, because this is this is quite light. That you know, yeah, the absolutely, is quite light, but in a glorious way. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think that's you know, and Doctor Who is, it shifts every episode is so different to the next. Eccleston and and Piper are just they're really good. Oh, they're so good. They just from from the moment they first get together, they just they work so well together. And you know, I think going back to what to what you were saying, um, if I pinch an analogy that another podcast I listened to once used for James Bond films, Doctor Who's sort of like a chocolate box. It doesn't kind of matter what mood you're in, there's going to be an episode that suits that. Oh, I fancy a bit of a comedy one. I'll pick pick this one over here. I fancy a bit of a darker one. I'll pick something from the 12th Doctor era. So it's really got, no matter what mood you're in, you can find an episode of Doctor Who to match it. I love that analogy. That is perfect. That is what Doctor Who is. Yeah. That, you're, you're right. And I suppose it's one of the reasons why like for me, personally, I could just it's always on. 
Yeah. I'm ne- I'm just never far away from Doctor <laughs> Who. I think my partner must be so sick of hearing the music. <laughs> you know, that type of music thing. Oh, you're watching Doctor Who again. Yeah. Oh, he's listening to a Doctor Who podcast again. What are you reading? Oh, it's a Doctor Who book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't be surprised, really, but there we are. No. Oh. But really good choice, that. I like that you had that emotional connection. So I think that's really important. I think, obviously... We're, you're very, we're very lucky if we have that emotional connection with a particular episode, character, era. You know, I think sometimes you don't have that emotional um, connection. Absolutely. And, and that's okay, because it's okay to not like something, to not, not gel with something. Yeah. Um, and if you do, then your life is richer for it. So that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome. Well, shall we move on to the 10th Doctor? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, cool. So what... What would be your honourable mention for David Tennant? Well, so if if we take if we take as read that Midnight and Turn Left are amazing episodes, um, they are very and, obviously yes, <laughs> um, are always going to be mentioned. My honourable mention is actually going to be the next Doctor. With, uh, which, yeah, is a bit of a left-field choice. That is a bit of a left-field choice. Please unpack that for me. I want to know why. Uh, so the, the, there's a couple of reasons why I'm a huge Cyberman fan. And okay. for me, it's the first time they get the Cybermen really... The actual Cybermen, not the Cyber Shades. The Cybermen really... Well done, because I, I wasn't a big fan of um, Age of Steel, Rise of the Cybermen, and okay. um, I, I think they're great in um, Army of Ghosts and Doom, Doomsday, but they're very much cannon fodder for the Daleks, whereas the next Doctor feels like there is some dark stuff going on in that from the massacre in the graveyard where they just come in and kill everyone what the 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 sort of manipulation of miss hartigan um and i think it really shows them as emotionless in a way that is all that borders on callous um and i think that's such a a good way to portray them because i for, for me one of the worst things in the world is someone sitting around uncaring when someone is in need or in trouble or in pain or scared. Um, but that is the essence of the Cybermen. They will literally stand next to you while you are sobbing, while you are screaming, while you are crying for your life. And they won't care. They literally won't care. And I that's why I think they're such a chilling villain or can be such a chilling villain. Um, so I love seeing them in, again, it comes back to the snow. I think I've got a theme there. But um, uh-huh. you know they they do the graveyard assault in the in the snow and the the relationship with Miss Hartigan is really interesting because I think some of her stuff is darker than anything who has ever done before or since. Some of the lines that she gets, like An- another man come to assert himself against me in the night, is just chilling, and. For a, for a fun, frothy Christmas Day episode, that's incredibly ballsy to do that. Um, so there's parts of The Next Doctor that I really, really love, and the rest, I think, is fine. So for me, it's one that I will, I will sort of beat the drum for, 
Doctor and say, there's some really nice bits in here. The next Doctor, he's fine. David Morrissey's fine. Um, but there's these bits that I really like. That, do you know, that's, that's really, really interesting to hear. Um, I think I completely agree with you that Miss Hartigan and her character and the actress is, is phenomenal in yeah. that. And the, the very, very striking image of her walking through that snowy graveyard in that red dress oh, um, yes. to all those men you're right around that grave. And she really has to assert herself at that point. You know, because of the time that she's living in, and and I thought that was a that was an amazing sequence actually, and really frightening. And they are, you're right, they're being massacred, and there's there's cyber shades jumping out from graveyard gravestones, and 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 it's it's quite actually that is really scary and horrible, isn't it? Yeah, that that is that is frightening. Um, and I do like the fact that her mind is stronger than any of the others that are there. Yeah. I think know, and there is there is a decent mystery, you know, with who is Jackson Lake yeah. and who, who is this guy? He's kind, he's obviously kind, kind of obviously not the Doctor, but also kind of obviously not not the Doctor. Yes. No, <laughs> you know, what you mean. when you're yeah. watching it, you're a bit like, hmm, is this guy the Doctor? And it was so cheeky, <laughs> cheeky for we know that he's about to regenerate. You entitle the next episode the next Doctor. Oh, that, yeah. uh, that is cheeky. That is that is classic Russell T. Oh, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me, if I'm being honest, then the kind of it is it is a Christmas episode, and I think that Rosita is criminally underused. Oh, I would yeah. like to have seen more from her, and I think that the I, I didn't I don't gel with this episode. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm not entirely sure exactly what it is because I like the the idea of the info stamp you know i like the idea of the cybermen in this period i think that's a really really interesting visually striking image yeah um the workhouse with the children you know i think it's it's got all the pieces yes and i think that um when i last watched this in my rewatch i'll be honest i thought to myself oh i don't know whether i can put myself through this yeah um, but you have to again. I did. I watched it. I thought it was okay. It, it's it's certainly not. There are there are some much worse episodes than this. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting that you really like it that much. I think that's fascinating. And you are right. All those things you said, I agree with. <laughs> um, and I, no one will ever convince me there wasn't a draft of the script where, bearing in mind, Miss Hartigan is in charge of like children. That the cyber shades weren't supposed to be children, but that's just Ooh. way too dark. But I'm convinced that was the original idea. That's interesting because that sort of fits with she would have access to children that could just disappear, and you, they're these weird little sort of animal like acting on instinct things. And I think they were right to change it to, to, to cats and dogs. But um, I think that was the original intention. Ooh, that 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 layer now has made me like it even more. That's <laughs> I like that head cannon accepted. <laughs> I am going there. That's okay. They are now children, yeah. and now I have a newfound respect for that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! Cool. That's a really interesting choice, and it's not come up. And I wonder if it'll come up again. Fascinating. <laughs> so, okay, then. So, what story then was your dud for Tenant? Well, this might be as left field as my honourable mention. 
uh, because I'm I'm going with tooth and claw. Ooh, okay. Unpack this for me, please. Why why is tooth and claw your dad? Um so when I first I loved the, the, the Ninth Doctor's era, I watched uh I loved Christmas Invasion. I watched New Earth and I was like, I'm not sure on this. And then I saw Tooth and Claw and I was like, no, nah, I don't like this at all. Um and for me, and I know I think it is definitely intentional. For me, it's the point where Tennant and Rose become insufferably smug with each other to the point that it puts me off because they feel clicky. They feel... I don't think they're doing it in any way intentionally, but they feel a bit bullying, laughing at jokes with when people aren't in on the joke. And it just totally turned me off the whole episode. I think the werewolf is fine. I, lo- I like the werewolf stuff. But the, the other thing for me is, oh, the, uh, the Kung Fu Monk sequence just makes my bum go right up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a proper clinch. Oh, I don't like this. It's a proper clincher. Yeah. Um, I remember just thinking it looked like one of the BBC dents at the time. Oh, yes, you know? it did. I know exactly I, what you mean. Yeah, and I just remember thinking this is just a bit too... It, it, I don't know what I, I couldn't figure out was what was happening. Like, had the episode had something just like someone pressed the wrong button and an identity started, you know, because we've had interruptions before, let's be fair. Um, and yeah, I that, that bit is jarring with the rest of it, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And, and I think the, the, the second half of the episode is is good, and I enjoy all the stuff with Queen Victoria and, and the werewolf and the mistletoe, but it's just for me the start of. Rose and the Tenth Doctor being people that I think the Doctor shouldn't be like this. Like the bit where they leave Mickey holding that button and then laugh about the fact that they've just left him there. That feels too mean-spirited for me. And maybe that's just me being overly sensitive. So, no, this no, this is fascinating. I I I wanna I wanna talk about this because. It's really interesting to me that you noticed that at the time of watching, because obviously this is kind of thought of, you know, the the tenant era is like the golden age of Doctor Who. This is where it was just growing from strength to strength and it was becoming more and more popular publicly and not just for the fanboys. And the Doctor and Rose was sort of the pinnacle of what it was like one peak of of the of the mountain range, you know what I mean at that point. Yeah. Um and everyone seemed to love them as a couple. And I too loved them as a couple uh, as as a pair then as as it as it goes through that that era. Um but since then on the rewatches I've a hundred percent come round to your way of thinking what you just oh. articulated there and I think it's becoming more and more apparent the more time that passes, the more times I watch it, just how insufferable they can be, those two. Yes. And how, you're, you're right, like, bullying, kind of, like, bitchy. They're yes. just sort of, yeah. I don't know. The in-jokes, yes, I get that there are in-jokes, but at the expense of others, that's where I have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that the arrogance is growing within the tenth Doctor. I mean, there's there's this whole kind of like uh, thesis, I guess, where um, the ninth Doctor regenerated into a kind of younger, 
arguably more handsome version of what Rose might be attracted to because after the Time War, the Ninth Doctor really did need Rose to help him through his trauma and yeah. become... And he, he loved her. and he, he She became his his coping mechanism and, and, and there was certainly love there, whether Absolutely. it was romantic love or not. And then when he becomes this kind of younger, better looking, arguably, um, <laughs> uh, a man that's a bit more in her age range, that, 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 uh, that certainly a more romantic relationship then is what happens. Um, and I think that Rose as well has this really strange and interesting arc where she... Is she she's convinced she's gonna be with him forever and, 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 and convinced that nothing will tear her away from that and that she is you know kind of kind of addicted to it but also addicted to him and there's a really interesting arrogance that does appear in both of them and she starts acting a bit like the doctor and he and he lets her and I I I've I've gone to that scene now at the beginning of Army of Ghosts, I think it is. Where yeah. they're on a beach on an alien planet, um, and uh, he says, "How long are you going to stay with me?" And she says, "Forever." Yeah. And he just smiles. And I thought, actually, that to my that I have a problem with that scene because he doesn't say, "I want you to." He doesn't say, "You know, I really wish that you would because I love you." He says that from a place of, "How long are you going to stay with me?" That's because I, I, because I know that I'm the best thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> Because there is an arrogance there, and she is yeah. there like forever. Because I'm completely enamored, and I'm becoming a better, better person because I'm with you, and I'm better than everybody else because I have the knowledge. And then going into that episode, she has to pretend to be things, so she sort of becomes a version of the Doctor in those episodes, you know, with her psychic paper and and going around and asking the questions. And she she yeah. does, you know, she does become that kind of. She tries to become the Doctor, yeah. and that that arrogance of the two of them, I think, actually. That they needed to be separated after that. Absolutely, and and I think RTD is a clever enough writer to have written it to be that way, mm. but it's still I still find it very off-putting for what I, I don't want to sound odd saying this, but almost how I expect the Doctor to behave. That may mm, I, yeah, you, you can tell I'm a parent, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I expect better from the Doctor. Yeah, no, I get what I get. What you're saying, and and I think that this is really starting to sow the seeds of where the tenth Doctor does eventually go to. Yeah, and it, it's fascinating to me that you saw this uh, in on this viewing in 2006 with these two characters. Maybe they're not as good for each other as they both like to think that they are. Because I didn't have that reading. I, I was just enamoured with it all. And it's only since then and going back and thinking about it and looking at it, I've been kind of like, actually, these two are a bit of a problem. Yeah. Because at, at the time, it like put me, <laughs> it did put me off to the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to buy the Paul McGann audios now. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure this is my doctor anymore. But um, by, by the time of um, Series 3, I was I was well back into it and fine with tenant but yeah it took it really took me a while for 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 just for because it hit me wrong at the time yeah yeah well that is fascinating but we shouldn't dwell here too too long because <laughs> it's very interesting as it is let's talk about what you're like stud what's the top of the pile then for the tenant era so for me 
it is uh, Partners in Crime. Good choice. Tell me why. I just think it's just such a fun, rompy episode. Reintroducing a character that I think definitely when it was announced, most people were like, really? This is going to be good? But she turns out to be amazing. And... I, th- I think the adipose are just so cute and it's just a silly runaround story and sometimes that's all you want. And I, I actually really like Sarah Lang- uh, Lancashire, Lancaster? Lancashire, yes. Lancashire. Um, yes. As Miss Foster. Um, I, I just, I think she has such a presence when she is there with Tennant and yeah, I just, there is nothing about the episode I don't inherently love. And it's another one that I could just watch over and over again because it's just so fun and that the bits where they don't quite meet each other and then I know some people really don't like it but I love the scene where they're mouthing to each other and Miss Foster then is watching what's going on and they haven't noticed I love that scene so much oh it's fantastic <laughs> yeah. isn't it it's brilliant um, so yeah so it, it, it's just there for me because it is the, the start of what I think is Tennant's best season, his best companion, and Donna's arc is amazing. And when you were talking about Rose thinking that she was sort of better than everyone else because she was with the Doctor, I think Donna becomes a better person, but never thinks of herself as a better person, even though she has become one. And that right there is a difference, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. I think at the beginning of Martha's time, on there, she's a little bit older, she, she knows herself a bit more, and she does kind of sadly just fancy this magical, mysterious stranger who takes her on these travels and yeah. and she has to adapt and you know she's a doctor herself. So <laughs> of course she can adapt. Of course she can go into a stressful situation and be able to handle herself, you know, that she's already got that. Um and her making that decision to leave to be like, actually, you treated me like shit this year. Yeah. It's not even a year, is it? I don't even know how long it is for her, but like this this series for us, she, he, he treated her like shit because yeah. he just got away with it all that time with Rose and Rose lapped it up. Yeah. I'm not saying Rose isn't without agency. I like Rose. Oh, yeah, no, and, and, and I think if, if you ask a lot of people, that is probably the most iconic new series, Doctor and Companion. Yeah. Certainly for the general public, that is that is Doctor Who to a great number. Yeah. You know, Rose's compassion, the way she's played, um, her family. There's there's so much I like about Rose, but there's just there's an, them them being together for all that time. I think was in danger of of sending her too far down that path, and actually them separating at that point was just was right for her at that time. Yes. And the same as Martha leaving, she was no, no. I I respect myself more than this. I'm going to leave, get out now. Yeah. Um. And then Donna coming in, and actually her in partners in crime and just being like I know I don't think I'm special but if you will have me I am happy to come along with you <laughs> and I think she's you know planet of the hat she's there she's got, yeah. a, she got a hat box she's <laughs> ready for it um I think that it is just the the perfect for tenant Donna is what kind of brings him down the peg or two Yes, because she confronts him. She's not having any of that funny business, no. and and I think that it's just the the perfect pairing, and it's it's a fantastic season. Yes. Um, I and agree. you know, 
it's it, 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 it's a fantastic episode. Miss Foster is brilliant. I love the adipose, and and FYI, I don't have an adipose Funko. It's on my list. Oh, um, you know this know. too. There's a glow in the dark one. I have seen that. Yes, yes, I have. Um, don't have that one either. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a really good. It, you're right. It's light, but you get you get Donna's family. It has a lot of heart in this episode. I think. Oh, yeah. And along with that, it feels like it feels like the start of a new adventure, and and in a in a really really exciting way. Watching it now just makes me feel warm. Yes, and I, I, yeah, it's a yeah. good choice, very, very good choice, and and of course that bit where Rose does appear at the end, and you get oh. that mystery starting. You're like, what is going on? Yeah, oh, such a nice little. Tea. And we've not even talked about Bernard Cribbins. Oh, I know, he's amazing. So yeah, but every that episode has just got everything. Yeah, you're right. It's up there. It's definitely a stud. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh well, shall we move on to the eleventh Doctor? Absolutely. What would be your honourable mention then for the 11th Doctor? So I'm going with uh, the 11th Hour as my honourable mention, which um, I think think is held in fairly high regard generally. And I think it is a a cracking introduction to a Doctor. Um, And I think it sets up lots of things really well. I might not necessarily like where everything goes that gets set up, but I think it is set up nicely. And I like, I think the central concept of meeting a companion and then meeting them again later with no gap for the doctor, but a big gap for the companion. I think that's a really good idea and a very Moffatty idea. So um, it, 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 I think because like, like we just discussed, I, I didn't, connect to the start of the 10th Doctor's era I loved 11th Hour and I just thought it was a, it was a really good adventure it sort of threw out everything from the Tenant era but not in any sort of disrespectful way but moved on and created its own thing um, and I just think Matt Smith from the go owns the role in a way that I think he almost has a slightly inverse journey of being really, really good to start off with and almost tailing off a bit towards the end. Um, because I think he's he's a he he plays the doctor incredibly well, but there's there are parts where he later becomes almost it almost feels like he's a, a parody of himself at times. Um but um I think it's such a strong start and the moment he steps through the smoke with the doctor's faces, he's just going like, "Yep, he's the doctor. I'm on board." So, uh, so yeah, for for me, that's that's why I picked that. It's so interesting. I I actually really I really agree with you. I think Matt Smith's eleventh Doctor is all there in this episode. Yeah, I think he he is fully formed, and um, you're 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 kind of you're right actually. I think his he does sort of get a bit tired the 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 late in the later on ones, and he he's sort of playing the same you know like an exaggerated version of that doctor. Yeah. Um, towards the end, I get what you're saying, and I've not really thought about it from that point of view before. But I think you're right because he's there, he's here, yeah, now, and I I love his connection with Amelia as a child. Yes. And that whole sequence. I think it's visually stunning. I'm not hugely fussed on the Atraxi, the, the big, is it that big eyes? The big yes. eyes? Yeah. 
and Prisoner Zero is only okay. But I think yeah, I no can forgive it those things because it's about the Doctor and the companions, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, it's it's about the relationship. So so the villains have to be a little bit lighter. I do thoroughly love the idea of there's something in the corner of your eye that you can't see and it's behind you at all times. I think that's actually scarier than we give it credit for and perhaps could have been expanded a bit more. Um, because I love that about um, the Prisoner Zero, how he's just sort of yes. behind her and, oh, it's creepy as hell. Uh, and I think I think it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Um, for, me, for me personally, like I took a little while to get into the Matt Smith era. It did happen in series five, though. I did connect with him. Yeah. Uh, in, in the first episode, I've only, in retrospect, seen his Doctor fully formed. I think it took me, at the time, a little bit of time to get into it. But now I'm on board with the left Doctor, and I do quite enjoy him. Not my favourite era, going to put it out there. No. But I... Res- really respect Matt Smith and I really really like Matt Smith and actually since he's gone on to do other things as well I really rate him very highly as an actor what uh, I'm really fascinated is he um... oh he's he's in The Crown uh, yeah. he is really really good in that he's in the new Game of Thrones spin-off oh, and he is yeah. very very good in that is he oh, um, amazing yeah he is he's really really good he sort of steals the show I've got to be honest and I would really like to see him return as the Eleventh Doctor, actually. Oh yeah, I'd be well up for that. I I think he could he could do it. I just don't know if he's now too big to do it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, I think that what they're doing right now with the filming. I mean, I've I've heard you know they're writing the series fifteen right now, while series yeah. fourteen is is being filmed. And it all seems to be it's quite a a short gap, and then they start filming the next series and I wonder if that is a scheduling thing you know like a well if we can get Matt Smith on this date at this time to do three episodes then we will and we'll and you know putting all these pieces together to build like this bigger you know and use the history of the show in a way that hasn't been used before and create new things I think it's really exciting and interesting yeah absolutely absolutely I think that he'd be up for coming back I think I'd like to think he'd be up for coming back I would, I would love to see him back so much. That would, that would just be, um, and we might talk about it in a little bit. But I've had a bit of a an about face on the eleventh Doctor. So, uh, yeah. interesting. Okay, well then, what, what was your dud then for for Matt? Well, in in the same way that um, Midnight and Turn Left are always going to be good episodes, always going to be bad episodes are Let's Kill Hitler and Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. And I'm picking Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS as my dud. Okay. Era. Um, and I mean, it, I don't even necessarily mind the, the the plot so much, the bit with the sort of burnt, ghosty remnants of, was it past time? Um, yeah, there's a whole weird loop thing going on, isn't there? Yeah. Like, yeah. They're visually striking and, and the story, I think, is all right. Everything about it for me is underwhelming. I think the guest cast is honkingly bad, um, almost uniformly. I think the the logic of telling someone they're a robot and then believing it when they're a human is like, well, d- does he not eat or poo? What? <laughs> what? These are the important questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At what point during either of those things does he not go, oh, robots don't poo? Um, 
And I, I think it promises way more than it can deliver by because it's essentially trying to do invasion of time going through the TARDIS on a better and bigger scale. And I don't think it necessarily comes off in a very satisfying way. I think that it all feels a bit pedestrian, for want of a better phrase. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because... There are moments where you think, ooh, this is good. Inter- and by that, I mean Clara in the library with the Book of the Time War. On that, I'm thinking, ooh, what's, what's, what's going on here? Are we going to get to see this? This is fascinating. But does that um, mean the Doctor has sat down and written that book? Very good question. <laughs> and it's on a pedestal as well. And it's sort of, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure about the provenance of that. But at the same time, I kind of want to know more about that. Yes. And the idea, you know, I, you know it's nice to see the library and it being quite, you know, yeah. quite visually cool. Um, and obviously, he's there and he has that conversation in the, in the, in that kind of like snowy bit before they get to the heart of the TARDIS with Clara oh, yeah. being like, you're impossible. Who are you? Tell me now, because we don't know whether we're going to survive this. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's a big reset button at the end. So she doesn't remember it. Um, <laughs> so, like, that, I don't know. That's a bit... You're, you're right. It's a bit flat. Yeah. It's a little bit flat. And you're, I, I completely agree with you. That guest cast, that's, that's, that's terrible. They yeah. they were they did not jump off the page. Poor the poor guys. They didn't have a lot to work with, did they? Let's be fair. No, 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 they were, absolutely. They were just having to say the the perfunctory words. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. It's 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 it it had so much scope. And perhaps when you hear the title of that episode, you think, "Oh my gosh, we're going to see the inside of the TARDIS and all the yeah. different things, and this is going to be epic." And when when in reality, it's a bunch of corridors. Yeah. I mean, um, very, very Doctor Who to do that. Very Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah, I'm happy with a corridor. I'm happy with a yeah. sci-fi corridor. Always am. <laughs> love a spaceship. I love a base under siege. I love the idea of Clara on her own being lost in the TARDIS, and it's all got a bit gone a bit wrong, and she keeps on ending up being in a in a different console room. With it, it has a lot of scope. Perhaps they should have used this idea as perhaps a two-parter, a bigger story, a, perhaps a better cast. Yes, it had it has a lot of potential, and it does fall flat. You're completely right, and I think as well, especially being so. I know it's the the obviously it was the fiftieth anniversary year. Um, was it? It was. Yes, it was. Um, it was. But when you've already got like, is it one or two episodes time where you get Clara going through all the Doctor's timelines? Yes. And I get that it's a celebration, but again, it feels like seeing. Clara go through the Doctor's past. Well, we've just seen that in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. It's yes. It, it's very. I think the episode, the the that half of the series would be stronger with her with that episode not in it. Interesting. See, I, I love I love this discussion where you kind of remove episodes and reorder episodes <laughs> and stuff. I think that's fascinating. I really do. Um, yeah, it's 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 just you're right. We don't gain anything from this episode, especially because it's reset. Yes, that's it. And but somehow the Doctor remembers. I'm not entirely sure how that happens because 
just the doctor throws a thing out to me, but he somehow remembers yeah. what happened, and it's like you shouldn't remember that. Well, how does he remember it? <laughs> let's just accept there's a time lord thing. Yeah, let's just let's just arm wave it away. As a time that's, lord that's thing what it is. It. Yeah, so, so that yeah. makes sense. Time lord magic. I think if you start pulling the thread to this episode, I think it'll fall apart. Yes. I don't think it's a great one, and yeah, there's a there's a, a, a sort of weird complaint as well. I say weird; it's not that weird. But in in seven B, there's a lot of episodes where there's a lot of male cast and supporting cast, yes. and there's not many female supporting casts. And this is this is one of those episodes where it's Clara and a bunch of men. Yes, <laughs> yes, you know, that is very true. Um, so hmm. yeah, problems, problems, problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. No, yeah, fair choice. I understand that completely. It's flat. It's not. It's not good enough. And, and I think yeah. in the lead up, you're right to the fifth anniversary. This could have been something huge. Yes, that's it. And it feels like. But then, uh, maybe showing my hand here, I think Moffat promising stuff in a, an episode title. And it not living up to it is a reoccurring theme. Yeah, I agree with you there completely. Completely. <laughs> okay, let's move on to more pleasant things. Cool. What um, What is your stud episode for the Matt Smith era? So, my stud episode is The God Complex. Ooh, now then. Tell <laughs> me why. Well, I'm actually going to go one further, because this is genuinely my favourite episode of All New Who. Wow. Um and I think I think there is probably a bit of backstory that needs to go with that statement. But okay. um so this this is the era where I sold all my Doctor Who figures. Um right. and, and I had completely disengaged from the show to the point of there are there were episodes that I just never watched. Um and the God Complex was one of those episodes. Um, but during the first lockdown, um, I was in a very Doctor Who mood. So I thought, I'm going to go back and watch those episodes that I didn't do. And the God Complex, I just fell in love with. It's, it's, a, it's a very me choice and a very me episode. So it's definitely not going to be for everyone. I totally appreciate that. But... It feels like a 70s British horror movie smashing into Doctor Who. And that's perfect for me. And when I, for me, when I say 70s British horror movie, I mean one literally set in the 70s. That whole hotel just feels so 70s and dingy and not nice. And the idea, and I'm not saying it is the, 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 the most groundbreaking idea, but there is a horror in every room and it relates to a specific person. I love that idea so much. And just, I think the performances are all really good all around. Even David Walliams. Uh, <laughs> even David Walliams. <laughs> um, I, I think he, he suits that role really well. Um, like you get the, the fantastic stuff, like all the, all the ventriloquist dummies, sitting around all the tables and it just it tickles my pickle for want of a better phrase in exactly the right way um and 
I think the setup of not seeing what the doctor sees, and we'll come to what that may or may not be later, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think is is really good and really strong. And for for me, I think Rita in it is the great lost companion. I think she would have made it a fantastic companion for Matt Smith's Doctor. I'd love to have seen them have some adventures together. So, um, yeah, it just hit me in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And bearing in mind that I've, I've never been the biggest fan of the era, that genuinely shot it to my... If I was going to sit down and watch one episode of New Who, it would be that. Wow. It's so interesting because you're not the first person to have said this, but I think it's you're, you're one of few people who have said it so far. Then put it like that. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those episodes where I'm going to find it difficult to talk about because I feel like I don't know it very well. It's Again, it's one of the times where I think I had fallen out of love a bit with Doctor Who as well. Yeah. Series 6 is a difficult, difficult series. And it's in the second half, isn't it? It's kind of, yes. um, let's kill Hitler. Ugh, I yeah. don't like that. Um, and then you've got then Night Terrors, the girl who waited in the God Complex, Closing Time, Wedding River Song. I feel like I need to give this series kind of another go with um an open mind because <laughs> the god complex didn't really affect me in any way and yeah. i'm finding it very hard to even remember much about it i do vaguely remember rita and somebody else has said to me that the that rita is the should have been a companion and i think that's really interesting that you think it as well yeah she she comes across really really well in just the, the few short scenes that she has. I think it's it's a well-written part, but acted very well as well. That, that was too many I, wells in that sentence. I'm sorry. No, no, it, it made complete sense. I actually can't wait to go and watch it again. I really, really can't wait. It's one of those ones that keeps cropping up, and people keep mentioning it, and I'm like, I need to get back in on that, and I need to look at it now with my head where it is now <laughs> to see if I can... Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. Just, exactly. to, just to, like, appreciate it. Yeah. Because... A lot of series six I struggle with. I just, I just, I don't connect with this time. I connected more with five yep. than I did with six. And I connected more with seven than I did with six, and 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 seven is arguably quite difficult as well. So um, yeah, I I feel like you have ignited now a need in me to go and watch it. I may watch it tomorrow. Oh nice. I feel, yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm in the right zone. And people, yeah. And, I, and you're you're right. That setting. Of the hotel, the dingy, creepy horror hotel. That is that's ticking a lot of boxes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And just like and and I think Amy's I mean Amy's room being her as a child waiting for the doctor is just so oh. poignant. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. And, yeah. And you know, I think that it's just really nicely written. And like I say. I, I, I'm more than aware that it's not necessarily for everyone, but for me, it does everything that I want from Doctor Who. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I, you've convinced me. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> no, I, I am not for one second believing that the Doctor saw the crack in his room. Uh, no, 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 no. There was no crack no. in the Doctor's room. No. No. What do you think he did see? 
his, his big his greatest fear. Because I, I I know I know what I think he saw. What do you think he saw? I think he saw himself. I yeah. think he literally like almost that sort of oh what's his name the Dream Lord that sort yeah. of how easily the Time Lord Victorious how easily he could become something dangerous and kill people that he loves. I think that would be his biggest fear. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, sort of the Time Lord Unchained. Yes. Uh, that and or or the potential of the destruction and the power, I guess, going to his head. Maybe yeah. he saw the War Doctor. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Oh, wouldn't have that have been amazing? I mean, that I would mean... have been a fantastic little sort of. I mean, if they'd called back to that point, yes. Later yeah. on, once John Hurt was there being filmed, that would have been quite cool. Yeah, oh, that would have been amazingly cool. I think that's in my head now. That's what he saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He saw himself, and he saw yeah. the the devastation that he can cause if he lets himself. Yeah, yeah. Head cannon. Yeah, agreed. I love it. And in part two, Alex and I continue our chat and we get to hear which episodes he has chosen for the 12th and 13th Doctors. In the meantime, you can follow Alex on social media with the links in the show notes. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WhoFluxPod. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you'd be so kind as to drop a little review wherever you listen to your podcasts, that would be fabulous because it will help other podcast listeners to find who gives a flux. And of course, if you want to be a part of the conversation, or if you want to join me for an episode, you can now send me a voice note. This I hugely approve of, because I'm a big fan of a voice note. And the link for that is in the show notes too. But if you're not a fan of a voice note, you can also slide on into my DMs, and let's chat Doctor Who. Thank you.